And I'm going to talk to John now before we start. So please bow your heads. Thanks. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to meet together today. We thank you that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son Jesus to come. And Father, we thank you that he will come again to end the pain, to judge evil, and to reign forever. Father, as we read uh, your word now, hear it explain, help us to listen well, and help John to speak it clearly. Amen. Uh, we're now going to read the Bible, and we've printed the Bible passage for you in your handout. Uh, G'day everyone, so we're going to read through, through uh, one of the Gospels, Mark, uh, one of the biographies of Jesus. We're going to be yeah, looking at chapter 9, uh, sentence 14 to 29. Get our up. And when they came to the, to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him, and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able to. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, Immediately, it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to you? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible. For one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, You mute and deaf, deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, he came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but this. Uh, hi there, it's so good to see you at Uni Bible Group. Um, try and make yourselves as comfortable as you can. It's a crowded room. Uh, do your best. Now's the time to maybe 
stand even if you need to reposition your chair or just elbow the person next to you who you just want to get them out of the way. Um, I want to add my welcome to Sam saying um, well done for coming, especially if it's your first time to the Bible talks. You're in the right place to hear in the Bible from the God who made you and loves you. Now, you'll notice we're quite transparent at Uni Bible Group, uh, so we're open to questions, and I want to be upfront and open about praying, as Sam uh, touched on. Firstly, at the end of the talk, I'm going to invite all of you to respond to God's Word by praying. Now, the words of the prayer you can find written on the paper you received on the middle inside column. Uh, they're not magic words. Uh, they're not misleading or manipulative. But we're not hiding it, and that's, that's how we're going to end. And secondly, I'm going to pray again now. Again, not magic words, but asking God's help to understand him today, because we need him. We need his help. So again, you can bow your head or close your eyes, and I'll lead us before we begin. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you that we can hear you speak to us in the Bible today as we've had it read. Help us to understand Jesus, who he is, how he cares, by what he's done and what he will do. Help us respond to him knowingly. And help me speak clearly in a way that's true to your word. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you hear the news just last week of hidden pain? 51% of university students in Australia were sexually harassed at least once last year. 25% were sexually harassed in a university setting. And 7% <coughs> were sexually assaulted. So, in a room this size, half, half sexually harassed. And perhaps half to one table of you sexually assaulted. Men were overwhelmingly the perpetrators of harassment and assault. Women experienced harassment and assault <coughs> at disproportionately higher rates than men. But not exclusively women, as a male student leader at ANU disclosed. The Human Rights Commission surveyed 31,000 students, just more than UOW's population. One case is one too many, said the report. But most cases go unreported, and especially amongst international students. This news is shocking and devastatingly painful, and most likely for some of us in this room. And as part of UOW community, as an assistant chaplain, I'm deeply sorry. There was other news of other hidden pain, did you hear? Mistreatment and neglect of residents in a premium aged care home, a chain, Opal Aged Care. One man sounded a bit like uh, some of you might be back in his day. He was perhaps an arts engineering double. 
He spoke nine languages and worked on the snowy hydro. But his family said he was badly neglected at Opal. He was left in a chair and effectively restrained for between 10 to 12 hours a day, losing weight rapidly. And his family actually could smell something. So a family member sort of uncovered his blanket and could see just gunk on his person and called an ambulance. And he was diagnosed with gangrene and died in hospital just three months after entering this premium facility. Died with rumours of bullying. If you measure a society's morality by how we treat vulnerable persons, I don't know how well we do. There is an ocean of untold pain amongst us, hidden pain. Some might get exposed, like at the universities or Opal Aged Care last week, but lots won't. Bullying, revenge porn, an unborn lost, a marriage broken that you still mourn, relationship breakup, anxiety, depression, cancer, death. Some of these are close to me in different ways. And if they're not yet close to you, if pain hasn't hit, just give it time in this world. I said we're not manipulative and we're not just being bleak just because. It's real pain, albeit hidden on campus because we're young or you're young, educated and healthy. But you're in the right place, a safe place, because the God of the Bible cares deeply. And Jesus Christ cares deeply. We're going to see that in this passage today. So if you take notes, point number one, of pain and helplessness. It's good to have that Bible passage open in chapter 9 of Mark's Gospel, but it's halfway through Mark's Gospel, like starting a Netflix series halfway. Not, not ideal, but some of us actually binge-watched all of Mark's Gospel last week in the Mark drama performance, so that's good on you. So far we've seen Jesus has come and he's bringing God's kingdom. And what that seems to look like is healing, healing, healing. The blind see, the deaf hear, the possessed are freed, paralysed are walking, the sick are healed. It's like the shadow of death is removed with Jesus here. And the crowds are chasing him. They want what he has. But Jesus doesn't always give the people what they want, as we'll see. Sometimes he leaves a crowd to teach somewhere else instead of here, or to pray. And that's where we pick it up today in verse number 14, sentence 14. Jesus and three of his disciples, like an inner three, return to the other nine from a mountaintop. So have a look with me from number 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. 
So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. So Jesus comes back to this heated argument, and scribes are arguing with his nine disciples. These scribes are a bit like that shadow of death in Mark's gospel. They're around the edges of the story, always plotting against Jesus. And Jesus knows it. So he asks, what are you arguing about? (coughs) And the one who is most invested here speaks up. A desperate dad whose son can't speak and is seized and thrown around because of the spirit. Now, some think it sounds a bit like epilepsy. If you've seen an epileptic seizure or fit, you might think, yeah, that's, that's what it sounds like. So is this really caused by a spirit? That might be this first century dad's interpretation, but we're in the 21st century now with lots of science, lots of medical conditions diagnosed. <coughs> Maybe it's epilepsy. But there is more to it than just that. Now, if, you're, um, if you believe atheistic naturalism, we're going to come back to this spiritual element in a moment. What is undisputed is this boy's pain and his dad's helplessness. He brings him to Jesus. Jesus isn't there, asks the disciples, and they can't help. Back in chapter 6, Jesus sent out all of the twelve to cast out evil spirits and to heal people, and they did it, but now they can't do it. So why can't they heal now? (coughs) What's going on? Let's have a look at number 19, verse 19. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And when they brought the boy to him, and when the spirits saw him, Immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has he been how long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if he can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. They can't heal because of unbelief. The disciples are part of this, verse 19, this faithless generation, unbelieving generation. They've travelled with Jesus and they've done healing like Jesus, but now they're not believing in Jesus. Instead, it seems like they've got their own plans that's without God, praying to God in verse 29, and without his ways in Jesus. So Jesus asked for the boy, and um, in verse 20, Number 20, notice that when the spirit sees Jesus, immediately it convulses the boy there. His spirit often tries to destroy the boy, says Dad, in fire or water. And so if he can, Jesus, if he can, help us, because your disciples couldn't. Atheistic naturalism says that all that exists in the world and the universe, is part of nature, explainable only by science. (coughs) So this talk of a spirit must be mistaken or misinterpretation. The problem is that all throughout Mark's Gospel, we see evil spirits. 
all throughout. It's unavoidable. It's a bit like Pokemon Go <coughs> was once unavoidable in public spaces. You remember Pokemon Go? Um, if you have, if you can't, you should just check your memory. Um, it's that augmented reality phenomenon that burst onto the scene in July, and I don't know if it's still here, but a public space, say near Wollongong Beach, once brought out fitness groups, but from July last year, there was a new group in town. It was Pokemon Go players, um, more evening than morning. And uh, I always thought it was a bit like a zombie apocalypse because they were sort of walking slowly in <laughs> this sort of zombie world. But why in public spaces? It's because, apparently, there were Pokemarts and Poke centers and gyms in public spaces. Why are evil spirits unavoidable in Mark's gospel? It's because Jesus has come. Like Pokemon rise up in public landmarks, evil spirits rise up publicly around Jesus. But they are very real in opposing him. They know him. They know his power and that he's come to destroy them and their leader. I actually never thought much about Pokemon Go until I had to sort of not hit anyone while I was running through um, around the Blue Mile in the beach. I never thought much about the evil spiritual realm until I trusted Jesus. But it's because I trust him that I know they're real. But the Bible's focus is never them or Satan. It's Jesus. So we can acknowledge they're real, but return to Jesus. And it's worth saying just two more things. Uh, first is that we can't directly attribute our pain to the work of evil spirits like we see in this story. And secondly, this very real snapshot of first century life is actually not so different from a snapshot of 21st century life. Ours is still a world of pain. Those university students who disclosed, they spoke of feeling paralysed and silenced or helpless like the dad. Is our world so different? So let's return to Jesus. Point number two. Uh, we're going <coughs> to pick it up from verse 23. Verse 23. Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse. So the most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. <coughs> and lifted him up, and he arose. Reminds me a little bit of this scene from Lord of the Rings, where Théoden, king of Rohan, has the evil spirit of Saruman driven out of him by Gandalf. But it only reminds me a little bit of it, because when Gandalf says, I release you, 
That's my Gandalf. <laughs> Phelan laughs. Ah, 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 ah. I saw some good leans on it. <laughs> ah, and then this one. You have no power here, Gandalf the Grey. But of course, Gandalf isn't grey, he's Gandalf the White. So Saruman says, if I go, Theoden dies. And Gandalf says, you couldn't kill me, you will not kill him. Actually, the voices are starting to sound the same. <laughs> and there's this struggle back and forth. Until finally, Gandalf drives out Saruman's possession. Actually, maybe that's not that helpful. Jesus drives out the evil spirit simply by speaking once. He is far more powerful. There is no struggle. Maybe the only thing common is that evil is actually driven out. But just for a moment, for a moment in 26... The shadow of death is cast over the boy. Just for a moment. Hmm. Now, atheistic naturalism says this just doesn't happen, does it? Healing with a word. But notice Mark doesn't give any embellishment. It's not like a Lord of the Rings scene. It's just told plainly and simply. And there are other historians who weren't followers of Jesus who give similar reports in their secular histories. The weight of evidence is that Jesus did drive out the spirit with a word. But I want us to revisit death's shadow, because it seems Mark wants us to. Look again in 26 and 27. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Sorry, from 26. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse. So the most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. Mark is intentional in describing this scene. Corpse, dead, lifted him up and he arose. It's resurrection language from the dead. Now, why is he doing it? English lit <coughs> students? Is it just a creative flourish? Well, not exactly. Mark is telling it as it is, but he's alluding to a greater purpose. Jesus' greater purpose. His own death and resurrection. Now, this isn't some secret code that is hidden into Mark's gospel that we've got to somehow unlock, like some people treat the Bible. Jesus reveals it plainly to his disciples before and after this scene. You can follow it up later. But we've got it on the screen. From Mark 8, verse 31, before this scene. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And immediately after what we're reading today, in chapter 9, verse 30, they went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know. It's interesting. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. 
You think, how can they not understand this? This is saying it straight up, isn't it? It's because of unbelief that we've seen all through this passage. The faithless generation, 19, and 23 and 24. Ours is a world of pain with unbelief at its root, its root cause. <coughs> I've got a, a uni life hack to share with you. It's really lame. If it's raining one day and you're in the library and you need to get to the IGA or the food court, did you know you can do that without getting wet outside? That's right, you can. If you're in the library and you go to level two and you walk across the link to the IT desk, you know that IT desk? Um, and then you walk out those doors, but not too far, because you've got to stay near the doors and go along the wall, undercover, past that L, the lift doors, and there's another slidey door, you know that one? You go through to the camp, uh, wait, what do you see? Career Central, you know Career Central? And what's next, Campus Clinic Doctor, you know that? There's a doctor on campus. And you keep going to the UOW wellbeing thing, and then there's that lounge thing. And you walk down the stairs to George Hub, and then you're back there on IGA, and yay. <laughs> I told you it was lame. <laughs> if it's raining, or if you just want to try and avoid people. <laughs> when I walk past Career Central, and the doctors, and UOW wellbeing, you know which one is always the busiest of those three? The doctor's waiting room. It's always busy. There's always people there by far. For all our medical advancements in the 21st century world, ours is still a world of pain, like the world Jesus inhabited. And death's shadow is real. We are sick and we'll die because we're gravely sick with unbelief. Our natural condition is to not believe God and instead to ignore him and reject him to the point where he's... We want him restrained so that we rule things now, thank you. It's a bit like that story at the start of the old man in Opal Aged Care who was ignored and restrained and the carers ruled things their way, tragically. Now, some of you might think of God as an old man in the sky, like the Simpsons' God, ignored and restrained and, if we're honest, dead to us. There's a phrase that we sort of hear, maybe in Australia and in some other uh, Western developed nations, in the humanitarian refugee crisis. If you don't want to live by our laws, go somewhere else. You sort of hear that around. Now, I'm not going to go into it because it's a sad and hugely difficult situation, except to say that this is what all of us say to God. All of us say it to God, the God who made you and who cares for you and gives us this land and everything we have. We ignore him and reject him and say, No, God, go somewhere else. I'll rule things now. The Bible calls it sin. 
but he is God. He's not a distant or powerless old man, but he cares and is powerful, just like we've seen Jesus cares and Jesus is powerful. And he cares so much that he doesn't let our rejection of him go unpunished. Since Adam and Eve, we live with the consequences of pain in relationships and pain in childbirth and pain in work and pain in creation. A huge earthquake last night in China. Pain of death. And left to ourselves, the greater pain of the second death of hell. Where, contrary to our title, there is no end to that pain. Jesus himself says of hell that the fire is not extinguished. He cares deeply, and so he warns us of hell more than any other in the Bible. He cares deeply and came to save us from hell. It's why he entered our world of pain, this faithless generation in which only he stood as the one trusting God. This is his greater purpose. He came to die for us, to bear our pain on the cross where he took the punishment that we deserve from God. So that if we trust Jesus, who died in our place, we are counted righteous as Jesus is before God. And Jesus rose from death, as he said he would, victorious over Satan and all evil, all evil authorities. And so the question is, will you believe him as the only one who can save you and as the Lord of your life now? The one who is Lord of everything now, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and who incredibly knows <coughs> our pain personally and deeply, having taken ours on the cross. We've covered a lot of ground, and you might have a lot of questions. Now, I'm sure there are Christian friends here who would be help, love to chat with you, and I'd love to chat more if you have questions. At the moment, when you enter uni campus, this is what you see. UOW, smoke-free since 2016. I hope that lasts longer than Pokemon Go. <laughs> Imagine, though, coming to uni and seeing something much better. UOW pain-free. Harassment-free. Since 2017? One spokesperson from UOW said the same as the report. One case is one too many. And I agree, for sure. But sadly, we'll never see that here. There's pain 
and you're going to leave this room into a world of pain. And actually, if you do want to follow Jesus, that will involve some pain and cost, especially initially as you change your life to live for him, and further on as you keep living for him in the world. Jesus said that's to be expected. But there's something else to be expected. And it's life forever with Jesus. And that's what I want us to see now. Um, It's in the last book of the Bible. A book called Revelation. Which is actually, in the Greek, the word for apocalypse. And as much as I like zombie apocalypse, um, it's not talking about that. Literally, it's a revealing of what's hidden. A revealing. But there's no more pain. No more hidden pain to be revealed. This is really, really good news. Revelation 21, the second last chapter of the Bible, is a vision of the end. And it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This is what Christians eagerly await in Jesus' return. Will you trust Jesus? in the pain, who died for you (coughs) and will return for his again. Trust Jesus, even in the pain, who died for you and will return for his again. If you know you've not lived God's way and you want to trust Jesus now, well, the prayer that I indicated at the start of today, is your opportunity to do that. So if you could all take it up on the inside inside window of the page. I might read it through aloud for all of us, just so that you can familiarise yourself with the words. And if it is something that you want to pray to God, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. But let me read it. It says, Heavenly Father... I know I've not lived your way, but have ignored you and rejected your rule. Thank you that Jesus died for me, taking my punishment to save me from hell. I want to live with Jesus as my saviour and lord of my life. Help me live a new life, trusting and obeying Jesus until he returns to end the pain. Amen. So, I'll invite all of us to pray, as I did at the start, but I'll pray through it slowly, line by line. And when I pause, you might, if you want to make this your prayer to God, you might like to echo it to God silently in your hearts and know that God hears you. 
So let's all bow our heads and I'll lead us in praying. <coughs> Heavenly Father, I know I have not lived your way. but have ignored you and rejected your rule. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Taking my punishment to save me from hell. I want to live with Jesus as my saviour and lord of my life. Help me live a new life, trusting and obeying Jesus, until he returns to end the pain. Jesus and the Bible are so important.